Hello. Hi, on the radio. Hi. Is it Hi, Toby? Yes, Toby Shapshak. Pleased to meet you. Likewise. So thank you very much for doing this. I, I, I really want to talk about the future of ESCOM as a, as a modern power utility, which I've heard you speak about before, but I, I'm, I'm sorry to ask, and I, and I have to, did it feel a little like being on the set of Chernobyl this week? <laughs> no, not, not, not quite as bad as that. Okay. But I have to say that it was a really, really violent explosion. I and, can see from the I pictures. Am exceptionally thankful that no one was injured or God forbid that no one died. Yes. Because if there had been people on site, yeah. we would definitely have had loss of life. Yeah. So we were incredibly fortunate, and, and, I'm, and I'm truly thankful for that. So, so let's go back at looking at Eskom's future, because a lot has been said and written and spoken about the past. And I, I, I really want to look at what the future looks like. And I've heard you use the phrase, a modern power utility. And I, I really think that is a very good way of describing it. You know, that, that, you know, I've heard lots of people say we need X billion to fix the current power stations. And I keep thinking, why pour good money off the bad? Why not spend that money on batteries or solar panels? I, I had a really, you know, I, I just as a thought, I mean, that just seems the, the, the prudent way to do things. And, and you seem to be looking at that future. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think we, we are in a fortunate position um, that we are faced with um, a number of power stations that are rapidly yes. approaching the end of life. They, they've had a very hard life. They've been run far harder than norms would dictate. They haven't been maintained properly. Yes, yes. And they are going to be incredibly expensive to render compliant from an environmental point of view. Uh, if for, for full compliance, we estimate that we have to about 300 billion rand. And of yeah. course, you earn no return on that money. Yes. And you don't any new generation capacity. So if we look at the huge steep declines in renewable energy cost, phenomenal, hey? Like sixty percent in the last five years, I see from your presentation. Sixty percent, and then a thirty percent. So, so, yes. so the costs. You know, there's this. It's it's, it's like Moore's law in computing. Yes. The I, way I that 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 costs have come down. It's it's. It's really phenomenal, but it's because this technology has a learning curve. Yeah. Um, coal has no learning curve anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, I love that line. Coal has no learning curve. That may be the headline of this interview. Well, well coal is now going to become more expensive because yes. the environmental abatement costs, the costs of carbon emissions, are going to go up and up and up. Yes. Whereas competing technologies are becoming ever more affordable. And if you're a business person, which, which I think I am, you look at this and you say, well, do we invest 300 billion in environmental compliance costs? Do we spend more time on expending, on extending the life of our existing fleet? Or do you see this as a, as an ironic opportunity to pivot the industry away from carbon to a cleaner, greener future, and by the way, this process attracting significant concessional funding 
yes. from international lenders who are very concerned about climate change. Indeed. I mean, I saw your figures. Uh, I have your, a copy of your presentation. Uh, very detailed, very clear strategy I can see from it for uh, the presidential climate condition from the end of July. And I, I really love this. ESCOM's just energy transition, JET. It's a great phrase, you know. Um, but I look at the numbers you've quoted. I mean, there's a 40 trillion U.S. dollars of assets under management. Standard Chartered has committed 35 billion for clean tech and renewables. You know, I once said in Kenya, uh, you can't swing a, a dead cell phone battery without hitting a VC. Um, the same, <laughs> the same with renewables. You know, you you like why invest in something that you you you, you know that has no learning curve, as you said, but you're going to struggle to find funding for, and the EU's carbon border tax is coming. It, exactly. To my mind, is a no-brainer. And it's, and it's compounded by the fact, not only won't you obtain funding for it, you, you will struggle to insure your assets. Because of the adverse climate events, insurance yes. companies are saying, well, we're going to go to the root cause of this, and climate change. We want to discourage people from running and building more of these plants that are causing the huge insurance payouts that we're facing. So to, to think that there is a case for South African coal exceptionalism yes. and to think that we can ignore global trends is a challenge that I think it's a paradigm that we have to shift. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your diplomacy. I would just call it naive. You know, I'm not a business. I never started out. I studied journalism. I ended up being a businessman because I got retrenched two days after my first time in I've learned how to run a business using the pragmatism my mother taught us and pure old common sense. It makes no sense. Why, you know, why do, why invest? I'm looking at your figures from it, from your presentation. Why invest in new coal when it's $62,000 a kilowatt and a PV solar is $825 a kilowatt? You know, wind is the next expensive at one, one and nearly one and a half thousand. It, it, it just makes it makes no sense. And then I listen to I won't name them, but I listen to some former uh, very vocal ESCOM engineers who say, "But you've got to spend all this money maintaining the equipment." I mean, I understand computers. Why would I maintain my old laptop that's five years old that the chip isn't fast enough? Why would I bother pouring good money after bad? Why don't I take that money and buy batteries? to store the energy, and then all of those power stations where power plants are now, well, handily, there's a whole bunch of transmission lines, which my the guys who put the solar on my roof, a really great bunch called Elite Energy, I love that. They, put it, they, they told me that it's, it's like it's, it costs as much to build the, the PV, the, to build the transmission lines as it does like a farm of, of solar panels. So, hey, <laughs> you've just got some... You've got some assets you can re-sweat. Exactly. And also, very importantly, they are human assets, human yes. resources that we can train to uh, build these new power stations, to, to build the components that will go into these power stations. Yes. Uh, solar panels. Exactly. And to, and to hopefully drive industrialization. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we've got, I mean, what is it now, 32, 35% unemployment in South Africa, depending on which metric you use. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. So we need to create jobs. And the benefit of, of wind and solar resources 
is that we can't, like our minerals, export the raw materials to yeah. China or some lost country and import the manufactured goods back. We can yes. actually manufacture locally, well, we have to, and yes. generate electricity locally, and in the process, use that to drive growth. So you turn this this vicious you know, cycle of uh, load shedding, jobs, lack of investor confidence, um, unemployment, uh, social instability, you can turn that around to creating energy security, drive investment, drive job creation. So it really is a bit of a you know a pivotal moment where we have to decide which yes. way do we want to go. But but it's also such a, a fantastic opportunity. I mean, as terrible as COVID has been, I I look at what's happened to people in general. You know, I've spent I don't know thirty years of my life showing people how to use new technology, and suddenly in the last year and a half, because there was no one around to help, it it, it necessitated a kind of pivotal moment. People had no choice but to learn new skills that they were afraid of or they were, wouldn't mm. find out. And, and as a result for our business, we've been slowly, slowly inching towards going from print to digital. And there was just a flip, bang, in a year. We, went, we were mostly print in terms of revenue. And then we were mostly digital. And that, and that I think, is as terrible as it is and as terrible as the circumstances are, that's quite useful, actually. That's, it, it, it's advanced us in a way that would have, we would have inched towards slowly, slowly, and suddenly we're there. And, of course, suddenly we're there with ESCOM because, you know, why, why invest more money into old technology when you can spend it on new technology? It's a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guy yeah. that English literature makes sense to me. Well, you know, great challenges in human history have often given rise to, to great um, opportunities and great development. You know, if you look at the Second World War, that is that one. Yeah. Uh, it, it gave rise to a whole bunch of technological innovations that we still yeah. benefit from today. Yeah. Um, the same with um, COVID. Um, yeah. You know, huge challenge, but also the same with the energy crisis in South Africa. If yeah. if if we if we had built all the power stations that Eskom suggested. 10 yes. or 15 years ago, we would still be bound to coal uh, for an extended period of time because we yes. would probably operate those power stations until the end of their lives. Yeah. But now, because, ironically, we didn't invest, we have load shedding, we have a shortage of generation capacity, that coincides with this opportunity of um, let's see what we can do to, to to turn this challenge into an opportunity, and that's 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 the that's the great thing about the, the challenge that we currently face. And, and I think that's the great thing about us as Africans. I mean, I I I have watched this kind of innovation out of necessity. You know, often called frugal innovation. I don't know that we could call uh, Eskom frugal, but we, we, you know, this innovation out of necessity has has produced incredible breakthroughs for people. Uh, mobile money and PESA was a, a way for a, a cell phone network to enable yeah. its users who couldn't have credit cards because they couldn't afford them. It, you know, we've had so many great examples. Going to the moon gave us Pratty's Putty and, and cordless drills. Um, 
I just think it's a it's it's a, a the perfect storm of opportunity versus problem, which we as a country and as a continent are particularly good at solving. And and the World Bank says, you know, 500 billion people in Africa who, who don't have electricity but have mobile phones, and the World Bank says that's one and a half billion in the world. You know, if we can solve our problem here in Africa with all the challenges we have, we're going to save them for the rest of the world. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and we have developed some some very interesting opportunities. We we've now developed our research um, and testing technology department. We have developed a containerized modular microgrid, which is really really exciting. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture actually. I was going to ask you about that. I saw the container. I- what a brilliant addition to the and it's life of Earth. It's an old shipping container, so, so it's recycling. The whole thing is fits into this shipping container, so you put it yes. on the back of the truck. Yeah. You've got this, this, this collapsible awning. Uh, yeah. Which carries the solar panels. I can see. And, and you generate enough electricity to supply 20 to 30 homes uh, 24-7. Uh, yeah. The batteries are stored inside. The controllers, the inverters are stored inside. Um, and if you if you think that there are 13 percent of South Africans who still don't have access to electricity, you know, yes. there's yeah. a great opportunity yeah. for this type of appropriate technology. Um, I think we 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 very often seduced by you know the new sexy yeah. technology yeah. and we want to compete with. Um, <laughs> A moonshot yeah. when we've got opportunities for appropriate technology to solve some of our own challenges in a very um, affordable, robust, and resilient way. That that and that is where I think we should focus on as a nation. I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thrilled at, at solutions find using shipping containers. They are, you know, they've enabled our life on Earth to be totally better. I mean, I, I love how they. The shipping industry <laughs> coalesced around the size of it. But, you know, people like Samsung build schools that go into these shipping containers, close the door and lock them, and they secure. You know, uh, this picture of your microgrid, there are like six of them on a field near a, what looks like a very uh, isolated village. It's fantastic. And we have this thing called the sun in the sky. We have a, an entire nuclear reactor giving us free energy 300 days of the year. Why? Why not take advantage of it? And, you know, to, to, to paraphrase what a civil minister once said, yes. um, the Stone Age didn't end because of a lack of stones, <laughs> nor, nor will the Coal Age end because of a lack of coal. True. The fact that we've got a resource doesn't mean yeah. that we have to fully utilize it, particularly not if there's a better resource available. Exactly, exactly. That doesn't pollute the air, that doesn't dig up the ground, that, you know, it doesn't contribute to potholes in the roads because the trucks are trucking it. You know, that's, there are many, many good reasons. But I, I suppose the, the, the thing about solar energy that I'm, I'm so excited by is because I, I understand that, that Moore's law dynamic that you were talking about. And in fact, the first person I heard mention that was Al Gore, the former U.S. president. He was speaking at the Discovery conference, I think in like 2011 or somewhere around then, and he gave an unbelievable talk about solar, and he mentioned the Moore's Law thing, which is, you know, uh, uh, Gordon Moore, who founded 
co-founded Intel said every 80 months processors get twice as powerful and cost half the price. And I've seen exactly that with solar panels. My wife and I put on solar this year. I, 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 won't, I won't blame those people at ESCOM, but it did give us a nice little nudge and it's good for the environment. So, and I've watched it. I mean, my, my friend Tim Cohen was one of the first people I knew, or one of the first like, people to move to the Karoo. I'm sure you've heard his story. Yeah, from couldn't, couldn't, it was 100,000 Rand at the time, like 10, 15 years ago, just to get a line to the edge of his property, not even all the way up to his house. So he did it. And, I, and, and he experienced that firsthand, very first time. He had to, they realized they were kind of running out of battery power, I think, at like five in the morning. So they bought another panel, and it was one panel that was the same size as two previous panels and cost half the price. And it was literally, you know, 18 months you know, yeah. later so that, that he experienced that. And so we've done that with batteries and solar panels. And I've watched my, my in-laws did their solar installation two years ago, and I watched the, like, incremental upgrades. But I suppose the thing that people have to understand about something like solar or using solar is that it's not as it's a living system but you have to tinker with it if you put it in your house or, or in a you know in a in a factory you've got to, there's lots of tinkering that goes on battery technology changes upgrades firmware software but that's you know that's an enormous amount of skill that ESCOM does already you know you have people who watch uh, gauges and monitors and make sure um, everything's running correctly yes yes and and you know, having having regard to what you just said and, and, and where you started off this discussion, uh, that is why ESCOM has to change. The, the, the old days of the vertically integrated monolithic uh, utility are gone. We, we are one of the last of our kind. We, we have to restructure ourselves to cater for a world where, where people have bi-directional meters, where yes. you credits if you feed back yeah. into the grid. Yeah, it's gonna come. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean that's a, I mean that's a smart meter thing, isn't it? That's going to require everybody to have a, have a, have a, basically a, a microcomputer on their system so they can tell it. I mean, I'm, I think that's a few years away for for rolling it out to us, 58 million. But that's the vision, isn't it? Yeah. Look, you know, I think I think you'll have a power system that that gradually transition. I think um, you 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 will have uh, Madupi and Kusilia run for yeah. decades more. Yeah. You will have a role played by natural gas. Yeah. Um, you will have um, significantly more storage because uh, yeah. the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. Yeah. Um, but that in and of itself creates very interesting opportunities. I, I understand, for example, that uh, Uleman and Peter Maritzburg is manufacturing um, an, an aluminium-based Battery for Tesla. Okay, that's um, interesting. Yeah, so that's something that I wasn't aware of, and yeah. and I'm delighted to learn about that because that yeah. means that we've got world-beating manufacturing capacity in South Africa that is really cutting edge. Uh, yeah. and, and and this is, you know, maybe you need to call Richard Jacob at Uleman and ask him about uh, it. Because uh, thank you for that tip off. I'm, uh, I'm I'm embarrassed that I didn't know about it either. Yeah, so, so you know, um, this is a real opportunity for us as a country to do some smart things and solve some of our significant challenges in the process. Yeah, but you know, we we can choose 
the the other scenario, uh, which which will lead, I think, particularly uh, in view of what you refer to with the EU carbon tax, yes, to increasing economic isolation. Yeah. So is that is that where we want to head as a country, or or or, or do we want to um, take advantage of this of this great confluence of circumstances at this particular point? Yeah. In our in our history. That great never waste the crisis line, you know. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and I get that you you don't waste crises, uh, Andre. I've, I've, you know, I, I'm sorry to say I'd never heard of you until you got the job. But thank you for taking the job. There were at least 28 other CEOs apparently who didn't take the job, but you did, knowing that you know the something would hit the fan and. You know, you took it anyway. So, I mean, I was going to say that I think you're probably the most important businessman in South Africa right now. You know, what you're doing is going to reduce that 400 billion rand debt, but also turn all of the existing infrastructure into into something newer and better. And, and the, the, the you know, the job creation possibility, something like 300,000 jobs just from building up the, the infrastructure necessary. Yes, it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, you know, I wouldn't sing my own praises too much. Maybe it's more of a case of fools rushing uh, <laughs> than anything else. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Eskom is a, is a is a great organisation. There are great people working yeah. for the enterprise, and we we if we channel those resources properly and we channel the the incredible knowledge and experience that we've got. Yeah. Um, Eskom can play a very meaningful role in creating a better future for South Africa. What I really like is how you've identified Kamati Power Station as a test case for this modern vision of a, of a power station that, or a power utility that you have. And that's a, it's, a, it's a good project. It's a good proof of concept, it looks like to me. It is. Uh, I was, in fact, there today. Uh, so I was just driving back from there, um, as you as you found, um, and um, there with with Minister Gordon, and um, we we all agree that this is the flagship that should prove that this just energy transition is possible. It's 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 feasible, and in fact makes economic and social sense. Yeah. Um, so you know, fortunately, um, the the. Department of Public Enterprises and the minister in particular um, strongly supports this and uh, he's, he's putting a lot of pressure on us to accelerate and do things even more quickly, which is great to hear from a politician. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that because like the opportunities, you know, if Germany can do a system where they are mostly using solar power in Germany, in Europe with their weather and we have 300 days of sunlight here, I mean, I always feel bad about winter in, in Joburg because it's, you know, it's not really, it's like winter for six weeks. And we've got so much sun and so much power. The numbers, are to, it makes sense to me, and I don't even speak maths as a first language. So, so, so here's a little factoid for you. The worst solar acreage in South Africa is still better than the best solar acreage in Germany. And Ouch. the same for winter. Ouch. So, 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 so we really are blessed with a fantastic natural resource, and we shouldn't, you know, let this opportunity go to waste. Um, 
the the resources we've got are, are really among the best in the world, yeah. and it's 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 an it's a natural endowment that we should be taking advantage of. I totally agree. I mean, I see such clever solar solutions everywhere, and it's you know the power is for free. You know, and the, you know, if you calculate how much you pay off if you install it in your house, I probably shouldn't be advocating that. But, you know, it's really fantastic. Look at, I've been watching what, what mining companies, especially in Australia, are doing with solar power for themselves in the middle of, you know, an Australian desert getting solar power. And all of this ultimately means less pollution in the air, which is the ultimate thing we have to do. Well, if you look at the... A report that recently came out on climate change. You really need to be a denialist to <laughs> ignore what's contained there. I, the science is beyond dispute, and if we in South Africa we emit half of the carbon uh, on the African continent, and Eskom in turn emits about half of the carbon in South Africa. Eskom is Eskom is about 25% of the total African carbon footprint. Sure, that's not a statistic. I'm sure you nor anyone else at Eskom is proud of. No, um, but it does mean that we are an ideal counterparty yes. to international lenders who want to enable uh, accelerated decarbonization yes. because the marginal costs of mitigating a ton of carbon in Germany, because they've already done so much, is, is about 450 US dollars per ton. Okay. In South Africa, it's seven dollars a ton. So, because carbon is a global phenomenon, yes. if you're a hard-nosed uh, businessman, these international lenders, of course, are. They say, okay, where will I get most bang for my buck? Let's look at South Africa. Here's a company that offers lots of carbon that they can mitigate on an accelerated timeline. They're committed to doing this in a socially just way so we don't leave in our wake uh, more unemployment, more misery. And per euro or per dollar spent, you get um, far more uh, tons of carbon reduced. You put your finger on the, on the point, which is that it's a good investment opportunity you know and it's a good it's a good way for us to demonstrate that we can be a forward-thinking country and a company i mean I, I run a media business and i'm always thinking what does the future media business look like you you had a slightly larger business with a few more fixed assets um but it's it's great to hear that this is how you know the ceo of escom is thinking about the future of this this company which is still seen as a, a threat to our economy so you know, you're kind of like, um, uh, I, want to, I want to tell that story that Kubis Lisa talks about, the 95 World Cup, which says to Bali Swatch, you can go up, you can go left, you can go right, but you can't come back. Um, I, I don't want to pile on the pressure or anything, Andre. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can go up, you can go left, but you can't come back. So, I mean, thanks for, for being in the hot seat for all of us. I, I, uh, and thank God you have the vision that you do for what the future of power should look like. Yeah, so, so, so I think it's important to also stress that Eskom operates in, in, a, in a policy environment. Yes. And I think what will be incredibly important for this vision to be translated into some form of reality yes. is to have alignment between our fiscal policy, our environmental policy, our industrial policy, and our energy policy. Yes. Uh, 
because if these are contradictory and they drive different objectives, then um, we will we will let this opportunity go to waste. And other countries are obviously getting themselves geared up to access the same basket of funding. Yes. So it's not as though this is a case of uh, African exceptionalism. You know, we, we will get the funding because people love us so much. No, the yes. world is a, the, the hard-nosed, cynical class. And if somebody moves more quickly and offers a better opportunity, that's where the money will flow. So we, we really have to is adequate policy alignment if we want to deliver um, on this opportunity. I, look, I agree because I've seen the same thing happen with technology in general. The lack of the enabling legislation or regulations has held back you know, all sorts of things. South Africa lost auction um, spectrum 14 years ago when they were talking about 3G. You know, we've missed all G. Um, so we need to find out if Rassi Erasmus can be your backline coach or uh, run, you run your policy uh, division <laughs> or, run, or run the de- Department of Energy's uh, policy division. I think that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. You know, is, is, is we, we need to be wide awake also from a political perspective to uh, the global trends. Yes. There's this great quote by Hendrik van der Belt. Uh, yeah. The founder of Eskom was chairman of Eskom for okay. He said something along the lines of, "If one observes the trends occurring in other countries, yeah. one has to be mindful uh, of the industrial potential that this country offers." So I think we face another Hendrik van der moment here, and ironically, this this occurs at just about exactly the time when Eskom is turning 100, founded by Dr. van der I assume he's the he's the reason we have Thunderbell Park. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, was, he was a, a true South Africa. Look, I, I know we've we've gone over time a little bit. I, I just really have to thank you, Andre. Thank you for uh, taking the job when they called, and thank you for having this vision of the future. Well, thank you for your support, and uh, thanks for the opportunity of chatting to you. Great stuff. Thanks, Zoe. Stay safe. Bye bye. Opportunity of chatting to you. Great stuff. Thanks, Zoe. Stay safe. Cheerio. Bye-bye.